Welcome to the Football Podcast with me, Paul O'Neill, and me, Paul Larkin, with fun, frolics, and football. Right, Paul? Right, Paul. We're back at a strange time again, which I blame totally on my co-host, who, quite frankly, has a lot to answer for this week. Not just him, but his team as well. He is the man who is the hole in the fucking donut, Mr Paul O'Neill. <laughs> Thanks very much for that. Uh, I'm joined by the man who spent last week in London making him probably the most feared Scott to arrive there since Big Big got on the Megabus, Mr Paul Larkin. Yeah, well, first of all, I wasn't there last week, so let's get clarification on that. 
Now, I think your behaviour has been an utter disgrace in the last two weeks. Okay. Um, you've you've turned into kind of a, a, what can only be described as a withering ponce. <laughs> um, you've repeatedly knocked uh, back requests for things. You've turned the most fucking basic fucking chores into an Everest climb. And on top of that, your team is absolutely fucking useless. Well, I, I, I ought to unpack there. Uh, the team, I can't really argue, we'll obviously talk about this week. Right, uh, well, come on to yourself at the end. I'll give you time to think, but quite frankly, and the listeners have noticed as well, you need to buck up. Right, we're going to rattle through the last midweek games because pretty much nothing happened until the Wednesday. Dundee, no. Dundee United, no. Is there any, I have nothing to say about this game. No, it was nothing. Like for a derby as well, you'd think it'd be like a few at least bad tackles or something, but there seemed to be absolutely nothing. Yeah, see when you say, I say I've got nothing to say about this game, that doesn't mean you come <laughs> on and say the things that you would like to say. Uh, Ross County won, Aberdeen won. You went berserk to me completely randomly because Aberdeen didn't win. <laughs> no, just the, the away form's absolutely torture. I'd like... They just can't win away from home. And taking the lead at Ross County, you think they'd be able to go and then see that out. But um, no, they just they just don't seem to have it in them. And they're away, away from Petodre. Not that they're great at Petodre either, but it's it was just a, a really... Like they only held the lead for about five minutes, mm. something like that. And it just, uh, to me, it just looked like Ross County wanted a bit more. And I think that's shown by the fact Ross County got about six bookings or something like that as well. They just seem to be up for the scrap a bit now. So Mirren won... Motherwell won. Anything to say? No, uh, no much. It was a, probably a fair result. I think it was a late, late goal, but I think even Jim Goodwin said it would have been daylight robbery if, uh, if St Mirren had won that one. Okay. Uh, Hibs no, Hearts no. Not exactly a blockbuster. No, it wasn't. Um, quite disappointed with how we started first half hour. I think Hibs... We're getting at us down the wings and really exposing us. Uh, but they never really created tons for that either. I still think we had probably the best chance of the half when Devlin got played in the box and then panicked completely and hooked it over the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, second half, I thought we were better. I thought we controlled quite a bit of the game, but then obviously Hibs had probably the best chance right at the end. Not even probably, it was the best chance. So they could have nicked it as well. But mm-hmm. I think we created enough chances that I was disappointed not to win it. Um and also had a couple of penalty claims as well. Which you were going absolutely off your head about. And, you know, I'd like you to explain what you what you saw. Oh, I thought, the one on Sims, he's cleaned through. Uh, mm. Stevenson just kind of catch him and he's just mm. bundled him over. But when you say bundled him over, I mean, is that no side to side? But I think you know, Sims has got just in front of him. And if, if Stevenson makes that contact anywhere else, mm-hmm. the referee gets a free kick. But because the box is, I, I think he's shot a bit. I don't know. I don't know. And the other one, I mean, I, I personally, I can see what you're saying, but I would have thought this would be incredibly harsh to give this, given the closeness. Oh, I, of the I, ball. I, don't, I don't really disagree. I think it would be harsh, but I think the way that the law change for handball means that he's came out and he's made himself slightly bigger, the, the hand's at the side of it. And I don't know what the ref's looking at, though, because he couldn't be better positioned and he claims it hits his chest. So you, you can think it's accidental or whatever, but to miss it hitting his hand completely is piss poor for the ref. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You, you know what I love about you? You, you? you get these phrases and you just overuse them. I've read about eight times since fucking Sunday the, the phrase piss poor for you. Now you're relating it to, to, to the game previous to that. So if that's piss poor, God knows what the next one's going to be. Um, but yeah, you do come up with the other one, bang average, you know. But I'd love to know the people you talk to that talk like this. I really do. Um, I've not. I mean, can you just explain what bang average is supposed to mean? I didn't understand. It fucking feels like an oxymoron. Bang and average, two words together. I I, I didn't invent the phrase. It's just something that's. Do you use it. I do use it, but it's just something that's been on the. I've seen loads of folk use it as well. It's not like I invented it and I'm I'm trying to get it off the ground. Right, well, I just, just let the listeners know at this point that I can't actually see you because for some reason you've still not turned your camera on and therefore I don't know what kind of facial expressions you're making. Right, my, ca- my camera is on. 
but I don't know why, why I'm not coming through. Well, switch it on and switch it back off again. That's the fucking plan for everything these days, isn't it, in terms of technology? Right, well, well whilst you're doing that, let's move to... There you go. All you had to do was switch the fucking thing on. I've done that. Aye, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's exciting to Aye. listen to, but... Well, listen... People need to know the context you're speaking and a lot of people are absolutely fucking furious with you and I'm not blaming them. Now, um, whilst you've done that, let's move over to uh, Livingston 1 St Johnston 2 and we'll pass you over to the Tory Farmers Compost Corner. Now, after the second match report, I've got a few fucking issues with him, but I'll pass you over now and let you know about St Johnston's first victory since fucking Henry Hall was playing. Well, well, the happy farmer. Um, this has been a long time coming. But I no long back. Um, doing it Livy the night, the young lad, and a couple of boys for the Scoon Saints. 2-1 uh, uh, the Saints, unbelievably. Um, apparently we scored a sweaty. Then he goes, a new urban dictionary for you. Um, apparently Zach's telling me that's what that was with Crawford. But to be honest, I couldn't give two shits what it was. It was... The ball hit the back in there after Middleton kind of <laughs> done well to get to the byline, cut it back. So, a few scenes at the end, brilliant. Um, just to kind of get that relief, the goal. Um, it was kind of, I say it was coming, I don't know. I just, I kind of felt someone was there, just the attitude of everybody. Um, you're seeing Callum Henry stuff, he obviously got the header in the first half. Um, and then, I'm just trying to think of other kind of key points for that. It was really, I mean, Forrest done well ever since he's kind of been linked with us and he kind of turned us down. He seemed to be great for them. By Henry got his head out, really good bond for Clearly, who seems to be kind of playing that game now. He just, what he was kind of maybe bought in for, but he seemed to be a really good defender. Um, so we're pleased by him. Um, Mr O'Neill gave me a wee heads up about Halberg. I never really knew much about him, but um, he was kind of maybe saying as much as he's one-paced, the simple things in midfield they just seem to be doing. So... Um, considering he's not been playing much fair play to him uh, for a debut away to Livy especially they were we, I don't know never, they were really ropey so I don't know maybe we were just trying to press high or whatever you know Steve may just kind of runs about a lot of shop and chasing so I don't know if that's maybe they didn't like it but um, again we just I kind of worried that one each when Forrest absolutely did the left he just done uh, a defender cut back um and they got a really good finish and they kind of had a wee run 15-20 minutes um, and then yeah I don't know what they are I remember the, the, the guy oh, the name escapes me the new but the boy came back for our broth I mean we had him in a friendly and a league cup at the start he ran right against us but I think he was playing at two elbows and <laughs> well maybe it was an elbow to be honest with you I think he just he put him in some in that position near the end but kept the pressure off but typical Saints my god they broke away in 92nd minute hitting the post I'm like you've just scored you just went 2-1 up first time getting a win in God knows how long and he's passed through that near the end so um, but anyway ah, it's good to get that um, and just start back and know that we can go there and get wins and, and dig that out so hopefully we'll get to see a couple of the new signings the 18 signings that we did on transfer deadline day or over the the last few weeks that we had and uh we we move on to United on, on Saturday. Hopefully that's just giving them a bit of confidence. So yeah, mate. Pink glass is very much half full. Yes, well, there you have it, Paul. Your best friend Lenny. Um he doesn't really light up a room, does he? <laughs> I mean I thought for I, I, I guess being a St Johnson fan there's not that much. But to they've be just won a fucking it. game for Christ's sake. You know, he's done his moan about fucking no scoring goals, Davidson must go, and then they win a game and he's like Aye, well, uh, uh, so, uh, uh, I mean, he's like fucking whispering Ted Lowe at the snooker. <laughs> um, okay, Celtic 3, Sevco now, what, but you, what's your take on that game? I thought it was an absolute, absolute drubbing, to be perfectly honest. Mm. I think Van Bronckhorst got his tactics horribly wrong. Like, mm. It's almost like they didn't expect Celtic to come out 100 miles an hour, which I don't know how mm. you, you've watched them recently. And think that's not how they'll start the game. And I know it's hard to play against that, but they didn't seem prepared for it mm-hmm. in the slightest. I don't know if it's underestimating or or whatever, but um, I, th- I thought it was an absolute doing. Um, obviously, it fell away a wee bit in the second half, but that's completely understandable. You can't play at that pace the whole time. And they were always going to shut up shop a bit. But um, Hatati's goal as well, like 
just Which one? five minutes in. All right. The first one, sorry. Five minutes in, it's just that's ex- that's like the perfect start in that kind of fixture. Mm. Like lifts everybody. You get the early goal and the tails are up. And as, as soon as that went in, I, I actually thought they looked shell shocked. Like they couldn't cope with it at all. Aye. I mean, I think their press is basically Morelos attacking defenders, right? Mm. And he's no playing, so therefore Roof can't get near our centre-half, particularly Carter Vickers. They went for the extra body in midfield, which I think was a huge error, because it just opened up the flanks, which Celtic, <coughs> excuse me, particularly on the right-hand side, absolutely destroyed them on, you know, with the tri- mm. three kind of triangles with um, Abada and Juranovic and O'Reilly. Um, I said before the game that, you know, it would come down to mentality. Did we have the balls to grab the game and take top position or did they have the balls to come to a hostile atmosphere and, um, you know, take the three points? And I saw their buses come in. They had two buses and there was the usual welcoming committee and <laughs> they looked petrified. Mm. <laughs> I have to say, like, they didn't look like, you know, bring it on type person. I thought, oh, okay. And then obviously the atmosphere. Um, I mean, you're right, I think Van Bronckhurst got his tactics wrong and to see that they then controlled the game after 3-0, well, I mean, if there's one thing I've banged on about on this show forever, it's teams who think that playing well is acceptable when you're 3-0 down. Mm-hmm. People who say these things don't really understand football. I did say back in October that I thought we would overhaul them by the end of the year. Um, and I think Van Bronckhurst coming in Changed that a wee bit, but now it's went back to where they were pre Gerard leaving, which was starting to struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, up until that point, it was a Scott Arfield kind of goal to nothing that stopped them. You know, it was their only win this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you kind of have pre match nerves, but certainly not like it was when we played the old core or anything like that. But we have so many players on top form right now. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm not just talking about the obvious Abada and Hatati. You know, I'm talking about Joe Hart, Carmen Carter Vickers, Joseph Juranovic, um, Matt O'Reilly. I mean, he's come in and looked an absolute superstar. Ah, he looks very good. I think I said to you actually after the game, like that everybody, like guys like Hatati will get the headlines, but I mm. thought Juranovic was absolutely um, outstanding. The energy he had to oh, still be making long bursts and runs at the death in that as well. I mean, he's a top player that would have cost us five times the amount we paid for him had it not been for the COVID market. Um, Callum McGregor playing he gave us a huge boost once we realised mm. that he was you know all about that and it was you know because I was obviously at the game you can't even see what, I was like what what is the setup with this mask like you know sweat and is it going to move and that but it didn't seem to me at all um, and then second half I thought we played them really well I mean it's you know a lot of people I fucking had this argument some people were all falling away in the second half and all the rest of it and it's no it's about containment mm. and it's about Players being rotated, you know, as well. I mean, you've seen that coming, but I mean, it was a huge psychological uh, boost for us, and um, it was, aye, it was weird. I mean, I was actually, there was a guy sat next to me <coughs> at the game, sorry, and um, I thought he had a baseball cap on, personally colour, like, I thought, I know this guy, where the fuck did I know him for? And it, it was Trevor Sinclair. And, <laughs> He's like, oh, uh, tweeting about uh, fucking, that was his first ever derby game, like, you know, because he's been a Celtic fan all his life, like, you know, and I knew that, like, because he's always going on about drinking Guinness when we win leagues and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> so that was quite good. Um, but I, I mean, the atmosphere was absolutely electric and um, they didn't really know what had hit them. And it was, it was, you know, it was one of them where, we talked about last week how this looked at on paper, these fixtures were like, fucking hell, this could be spectacular. And they really weren't they? Mm. Um, but for Celtic fans, I think it was it was brilliant. But it just, you know, it's really just the start now because as I've always said, we're way ahead of where they expected us to be and now the pressure's on to maintain it and hopefully extend it and go right to the end of the season, which I know Postacoglu said, you know, we'll, give, we'll have a rest when fucking the final whistle goes in the last game of the season. So... Um, but I, I mean, um, of course, certainly Aaron Ramsey was in the stand. Uh, what did you make of that signing? I think it's a bit a bizarre one to be. I mean, if if they get Ramsey, that's fit, then mm. there's no doubt he's a top player. But 
it's got to be a reason why Juventus are so happy to, to ship him at such a loss and stuff as uh-huh. well. Um, from his point of view, he's probably thinking just come play regular games before the playoffs for, for Wales because he's not going to play at Juventus. But it's a it's a expensive gamble because like, if you as I say, if you get the kind of injured version of him, it's just mm. like, it's just chucking money away pretty much. I mean, we've signed a lot of these type of signings in the past. You know, Freddie Lundberg, Robbie Keane, Roy Keane, Craig Bellamy. Probably Craig Bellamy is probably an insult to because he was younger. And none of them really work, really. I mean, Roy Keane was signed because Roy Keane wanted to play for Celtic, score for Celtic and play in a, a Huns game. He'd done all three within a month and I think he basically just gave up after that. Robbie Keane scored 16 goals for January, end of January onwards and we were nowhere near winning the league. Bellamy scored a lot of goals for us um, and probably got us to a point where we could still win the league but ultimately missed the chances on the last game of the season at Fir Park and Freddie Lundberg was absolutely fucking hopeless. <laughs> so... Aye, it's never, there's no guarantee with anything like that at all. Um, and I, to be honest with you, he's not a player I've ever rated that highly. On his day, as you see, form and all the rest of it, fine. But you've got to think that if there was a player there, and I spoke to somebody who works in the Premier League, you know, Premier League clubs would have been in for him, and he basically said, nah, nobody was interested. Like, you know? mm. I, th- I think as well, as like he's not played in so long. How long is it going to take him to get up to fitness and up to speed? <sighs> As well, you know what I mean. I mean, aye, but there's not that many games to go, really. No, <laughs> you know what I mean. So because they're coming so thick and fast, that aye, by the end, <coughs> I know, I know, I know. Okay, moving on to the weekend. Um, I'll be relying on you here. Dundee one, Ross County two. Now, I actually, when I watched this back in sports scene, I actually thought, you know what, I didn't kind of score of this. Never had a clue. <laughs> First thing I want to draw your attention: there was a banner in the Dundee end that said Aberdeen Dark Blues. I'd like to hear for you. If anybody knows the Aberdeen Dark Blues, I want them to get in touch with us and tell us what it's like to be a Dundee fan in Aberdeen given the you know, famous rivalry between the two cities and so on. Um, Dundee won Roski 2. Aye, so Dundee, goal, great. Aye. Um, who was it scored the Dundee goal again? Uh, Zach Rodden. Rodden. It was his debut as well. I've got here. Nidden, it looks like. Rodden, you're right, Zach Rodden. Where'd they get him for again? Uh, Partick, I think, uh, he signed them for. That's partly who they were trying to get in before they were got to let Griffiths go. Now he's gone to um, Falkirk. Uh, uh, it's a bizarre move as well. Just, you know, this was a guy at the start of the season given a second chance, God knows why, by Celtic, and now he's in, in February and at Falkirk. Bizarre. Uh, Hungbo, which I believe is your nickname in the bedroom, Paul. <laughs> uh, I wish. Scored the equaliser, and then. Unbelievably, Regan Charles Cook missed a penalty. Ah, uh, it wasn't a great penalty at all. Actually, mm. he didn't look, he didn't look convincing. I must say, in the humble goal as well, the goalkeepers had an absolute disaster. Aye, just went in near post. It's because I didn't see, with the humble one. I didn't think anybody could actually believe it went in. No, even the commentator. I, 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 I think I was the same as you when I sat down to watch it. I hadn't paid attention to the scores. It was Saturday night, and I seen the. It was the same with this game, and that went in. I was sitting there like that can't be a goal because he's just he's wheeled off. Aye, because. Was it last week Dundee won 3-2 against somebody? Uh, no, for sure it was last week. No, I think... That's what I thought it might be. Um, but then, of course, Reagan Charles Cook then stepped up to score the winner. And again, we said last week, I'm fucking amazed he's still at Ross County. I don't know if he's made a, a, a deal or whatever, but it's, you know, that'll, that's definitely... He's definitely going to keep them up. There's no doubt about that. I think, about I, think, I think as well, that, like, for their point of view, it had to have been a big offer to, to let him go because mm. it's pretty much your... Premiership-status-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-wise-
hundred percent because it's that's just trying to justify that when it comes, it's like he's got aye. more important things aye. to deal with. Aye, Which is fine. I mean, your family probably are important, but that's still your but job. But then, like, completely contradicts himself. See, I'm not worried about myself. I'm worried about the club. Well, mm. which one is it then? Of course, you should worry about yourself. Everybody's worried about themselves, you know. Uh, Livingston two Aberdeen one. Now, once again, Aberdeen draw a blank away for him. Um, what do you make of the first goal by Livingston? Think he meant that? I actually think it's a really clever flick for Obelai mm-hmm. because it comes through about a few bodies and he's just kind of just lifted it over the goalkeeper. I mean, it could well be a fluke as well, but I think he's actually tried to get something mm-hmm. on that. It was a great finish. And then Forrest, who's, Alan Forrest, who's playing well um, right now, um, Old Bear and his brother, as I said before. It's the second, and I noticed there was a constant booing for the Aberdeen fans, like throughout the game. Aye, I, they're obviously not happy with their, their form or whatnot as mm. well, but they're, they're another support that's hard to play for when things aren't going your mm. going your way. Ramirez, but I, I thought Forrest was excellent. I was, it was. Ramirez gets a good goal back, and they did have chances after it, a couple of unbelievable saves and misses and whatever. And then the Montano red, which what on earth did he get a red card for? I don't even know what he done. Like there was there was other players pushing and whatnot, but mm. his his was very soft. And then they've got to obviously see that out with ten men. Um, but Livingston, like a couple of good results with that in the when it used to road last well, week as the well. Thing about it, right, so Kevin Clancy, who I think is an absolutely hopeless referee, right? He booked thirteen people, and including nine Livingston players, and sent off one. I mean, fuck me! Like, really? Is that you know? And the thing is, when you watch the highlights, it, it wasn't even a particularly <coughs> no, dirty game. No. Um, Hibs no Simon one. Now I hate to keep going on about this, but the fucking crowd was pathetic again. I know. Really, you think really as, poor. you think as well that Hibs fans would realise that they got a good crowd in against Harps, and and at the start they were right behind them, and it made a big difference. Mm. Like it, it spurred it spurred them on, and it obviously helps. And then you go back to that. And like they're, they're claiming that's 15,000. They've got to be at no it because there's no chance. They're counting, obviously, counting seed to go when they turn up. Um, now, good goal with Ronan, again, defending mm-hmm. horrific. Anik made some incredible saves. And to mm-hmm. me, that they kind of goalkeeping performances, that's what wins you points, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Maloney, I like him, but I'm telling you right now, if he doesn't start winning games, the Knights are going to be out. Because... Aye. It's all right talking philosophy and this, that and all that, performances. Whatever anybody sees and all the purists and all the hipsters and all the rest of it, football's about winning football matches, especially if you're a manager. And you can't keep preaching philosophies when you're getting beat by teams like fucking St. Martin and Livingston at home. Also, if you're losing these games, it's maybe something to say that philosophy is not working with the players you've got. You've got to yeah. get results and then you can have time to bed it in. But also, there like, was a spitty spin, which was, but know the performance levels we had against Hearts. Come on, eh? All right, first half decent. Here, gave Hertz a bit of chasing, but as you say, no way like creating ten chances or anything like that. I no. thought they bullied Hertz a wee bit, and Hertz got in the second half. I wouldn't aspire to that performance level. No, you know? but also they completely changed the way they played against Hertz to mm. make it more sort of like uh, get the ball forward quicker and have higher energy and intensity, and, and then they go right back to that against St Mirren and like slower possession and. I mean, they did have chances. So if they'd got something again, St Mirren couldn't have complained. But when you defend like you do, like they did as well, that's another shocking goal to get away. It was, and it was. I don't know. Like, perhaps you're starting to see how much Martin Boyle carried Hibs. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of his pace, in terms of the fouls he got given against somebody was diving or no, whatever. Still got them. <coughs> um, the defence looks absolutely appalling. Mm-hmm. Has for a long time, um, Nisbet, you know, is is getting chances he should be scoring, and isn't he? And again, it's like the goalkeeping situation. These are the guys that paid to put the ball in it and put you clear in these games. They make these mm-hmm. games easier. And if he's not doing that, Dodge has done absolutely nothing since he come back, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I think Hibs are in trouble, real trouble. I I think so as well. It's just it's, it's a slide that looks like it's. <coughs> They could continue to go on if you know what I mean. Like they didn't really yeah. look like they're about to snap out of it. And as you say, when the fans start getting apathetic in that as well and not turning up, honestly, I think say for instance they lose Ibrox Simon and then lose in the cup to our broth. I think Moni could be under real pressure I, already. Oh, they'll get they'll get something at Ibrox Simon. Don't worry about that. Um, but one thing I was going to say, ask you right, and if you can take your I hate hips hat off here for a second, 
it's football fanatics that listen to this show, right? We didn't get tourist people, and that's great. That's I didn't want them, right? But so these are people who go to games or they watch games or they're fucking emotionally attached to their football club, right? What circumstance could you be in that stopped you going to a Hertz home game on a Saturday at three o'clock, barring the obvious deaths and illnesses thing? Me no, no, no regularly because exactly. These guys are missing games regularly because if they're counting season tickets, people aren't turning up. So, I no. If if I'm, if I'm free to go to the game, I'll go to the game. I mean, the ground is surrounded by pubs. There is a lot of hosey type alcoholics that support Hibs. Are they just staying <laughs> in the pub? Other pubs showing the games, you know, because mm. you know everybody's been in that situation. But again, I don't think I'd be like if I was in the fucking Iona, which I'm known to frequent um, a, a lot over my life. And I was got Easter Road. I wouldn't eat ten pints when they stopped me gone because it's just round the corner. Mm. A bit different when you're like, oh, it's a mile walk. Ah, oh, fuck it, you know, I'll just have another pint. I'll stay here and watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I actually wonder that's quite an interesting point because now that places can stream the games like live, mm. it's no dodgy feeds, it's no anything. Yeah. Maybe it is a bit easier for that, but surely it's not accounting for that many people not going. Well, I mean, Celtic, you can. I mean, I'm sure it's the same. It hurts. You can if you were not to go to the game for say you broke your both your legs or some fucking push, which might happen if you get any of your cheek. <laughs> then you can watch the game via your season ticket, right? On the, yeah. On the new side. So I'm imagining that's that with Celtic and all that as well. But it is concerning, you know, it is concerning because Hibs are a big club in Scotland, you know, there's no fucking doubt about that. And, um, you know, I'm one of these people where, and this will offend everybody who doesn't support, you know, sort of top five clubs or whatever. I want the big clubs to do well, apart from Safeco, but then they're not a big club. It's because that feeds into elsewhere. <coughs> For example, if Hertz are doing well, they will take and sell out their allocations for games. Mm-hmm. You know, away from, so then everybody gets a turn. You know, if you go to somewhere like fucking, you know, Dundee United and you fill it, then that's an extra 50, 100 grand in your coffers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I wanted to pick up actually just reminded me, <clears throat> now this fascinated me. And it will fascinate all Celtic supporters listening to this, by the way. I was asking you about how it worked to get a Hertz away ticket, particularly for Easter Road, which is obviously a big game. And you said it's a point system. But what you're saying is that... Now, there's a twofold... This, is, there's, this isn't like a trick question on setting you up for a full year. Non-season ticket holders could acquire the amount of points that would get them a ticket for Easter Road. Yes, aye. Okay. Pr- so, right, okay. Right, okay. So here's my question. Does that hurts? How many season ticket holders have Hertz got? Uh, just under 14,000 okay. season, I think it was. So does that mean that Hertz have probably got, I don't know, maybe 11,000 season ticket holders who are interested in Easter Road? Uh, there'll, be, there'll be a few people that uh, wanted to go and never probably a couple of thousand more, but they'll be out there than they just bought, just didn't bother got to the games. Aye. Like, you're talking about you were be people who are not seen to go with us that got tickets from here to that game and I'm just fucking fascinated by the fact that people would buy a season ticket for Hertz and think I don't know what to go to Easter Road <clears throat> I can understand them maybe not what to go to Pataudry or they don't like travelling but fucking Easter Road you know the thing is like if you buy a season ticket right, you get 20 points up front mm-hmm. whereas if you attend away games you rack up points far faster even if you're not a season ticket holder yeah, because like, away games are maybe three points or four, depending on if it's Aberdeen, I think it's seven sometimes. Mm. So you can quickly overtake a season ticket holder. And it goes over a two-year period as well, so like new season ticket holders will be behind guys that have been got the games like semi-regularly. I mean, that's... I mean, and people are happy with that system, like. Aye, generally the people who want to go to the games get the tickets. So, so you get 20 points at the start of the season. How many points did you need to get a ticket for Easter Road? Oh, it's like that was like a hundred and forty or something. Mm. So it's like it's, but it's built up over two years, as I say. So, like, so does that? Do you get points, for example, if you buy a strip? Uh, no, but I think they introduce something. I think we're looking to introduce something like that. So basically, you'll get rewarded for for spending money at the club. But no, as it stands, it's purely games. That's interesting. Like, I'm but you can be you can be really sneaky about it as well because if it says a pay at the gate game away from home, you don't get any points, even if you've made the effort to go. No. But you could turn up to four away games and, and they've all got points attached mm. to them and, and rack it up that way. Ah, I mean, it's, everyone's like, I mean, Celtic one obviously is just, you know, the more you take, and it's always the argument of how the fuck do you acquire points if you didn't get a ticket for the game? Mm-hmm. Not everybody who gets a ticket for every game takes it. 
You know, mm-hmm. when they go on holiday or whatever the fuck, they pass on to somebody else. The Celtic ticket office has no knowledge of that whatsoever. So therefore, it's not really going to change. But I know, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, speaking of things that are only interesting, we've got uh, St Johnson now Dundee United now, and we'll bring you back to our good friend, the Tory Farmers Compost Corner. Um, St Johnston now Dundee United now, unfortunately. The, it's not a Tayside derby, as the Dundee boys like to keep calling out and reminding us. Um, but aye, um, not a lot to be honest with you to talk about. I mean, as I say, we were kind of on a high from midweek getting uh, getting our win. Um, I'm not going to go on about the refs and stuff like that. I full day every week. Um, that Colin Stephen is a muppet. Um, he can't just keep doing all that. He, the, the Holland boys bat left, right and centre or even touching them. Tony Watts, he kens what he's doing. He does it all the time. He done it with us when he was with us for... For that year, um, but I unfortunately that's the, the kind of the main thing about the game is where it kind of all changes. Unfortunately, Halberg and done really well midweek. Um, like I said previously about his debut, so I don't know. I never even knew he got booked the first time. Maybe the the pre-match pints had kicked in at that point, but I completely missed that. Um, but yeah, I think we only had in Crawford underside of the bar. I think the first half it was a bit all really we could show a bit. Um, weirdly enough we changed the way the direction so normally we always shoot into the that way in first but I don't know if Xander maybe tactically had, had said something about changing it um, so it was quite strange to see Saints actually shooting down to the Ormond on the game but um, I I can't really remember anything else to be honest um, in regards to chances it was quite uh, aye there was just nothing, nothing really there I think obviously Tony Watt had his chance near the end with the post but I don't know what Tony Watt's position is playing. Um, he was like that with us as well. He was like getting drafted into midfield and it was kind of my worry when he... Worry, it's not my worry, I couldn't care less, but it was kind of my thought is when he went to United, I says he's going to hate to still play that same same way, kind of for how well he did at Motherwell, but... Um, aye, bizarre. I have no idea what Tom Courts is on about, but it was a disadvantage to them that we went down to 10 men. I, I couldn't believe <laughs> That was that's a belter I'm buying a four, but anyway. Um but in regards to that, I mean we're obviously just punting the ball up, chasing it and we're thinking right, we're heading out for a nil nil. Um and you know what, it's another clean sheet before Hancock games in past we'd maybe lost a, a scrappy goal, a bit like actually when we played them at the start of the season, getting deflections in the box and all the rest of it. So um but apart from that there was never not a lot to to shout home about. It was as I say, we get the point. Unfortunately, we just <laughs> you've you've got the teams above you that just keep winning. But I thought to myself there maybe a couple of teams we could catch. But do you know what? Fair play, Ross County, even Levy again, um, bouncing back for getting beat for us. Some man going Easter Road. So, um, aye, we've got a wee trip Paisley and Wednesday. Um, I think we're gone. So we'll see what that is for another random uh, price structure. It'll be when I get there. Um, but yeah, we'll go to that game. That's the sort of games I was saying. If I can choose, we're not going to win at Parkhade and all the rest of it. So that's the ones that we've got to go if we're wanting to get this. Let's be honest, realistically, get the, get the play off. So um, on to Paisley. On to Sunday. Well, actually, no. I want, this is a message for James Laney. The ground that Celtic play at is called Celtic Park. Not Parkhade, Celtic Park. Okay? Okay. Cheer up, you miserable bastard. Anyway, uh, Murrowell now Celtic 4. Now, I was, uh, as you said at the start of the show, gearing me on aware of it, so I was in London, on a, which I've had merciless dogs abuse for, because it was a delayed um, anniversary weekend, and my my good associate, Stephen Wright, who we won't know the guy who pretends to live in New York, but actually lives in Jersey City, he was giving me dogs abuse, because I went for a, a meal with my wife for our anniversary. Um, so, you know, I think that probably sees more about him than me, to be quite honestly, you know. What, was, what's, what's the abuse for good? Sure, that's a quite normal well, thing. Well, he's trying to, you know, I mean, bear in mind, this guy's partner is, it's, it's not exactly Olympic standard. He was like, his cousin Mark asked me, where did you stay? And, and, and he said, Stephen replied, oh, knowing him, probably somewhere that you love, actually. <laughs> That's the level you're dealing with, like, you know. Um, but I, I was, and I ended up um, 
the restaurant people were asking me the restaurant we were in was the the basically the restaurant that was in first dates. Alright. Um, is it good? It was brilliant. I mean, it's absolutely nothing like what it's like on the show. Like, I mean, it's it's dark. It's um, things are moved around. Tables different. Everybody's different. obviously the staff are the same and whatever. So didn't go there looking for that experience. But the food was absolutely fucking exceptional. And it was you know it was expensive without being like oh my god we've got to take about ten years to pay this up you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you, but you pay for what you get and it was you know, I, it was just oh, amazing. Um. So I so that meant that I had to watch the. Uh, Motherwell Celtic game in the Sheephaven Bay pub in Camden, which was great. Highly recommend. Um, there was actually a boy in there. I don't know if you've ever seen this boy. He's a Scottish boy. He wears a t- Scottish tammy and he turns up at sporting events all around the world. Um, I think I might know who you're talking about. Aye, I like think tennis and you know. Aye. Well, he was in there. Aye. Um, that's all I can say really. <laughs> um, so um, good Guinness and what have you and we were in there and um, ugh, I mean I thought Celtic were absolutely scintillating I thought Celtic were very good again um, from Motherwell's point of view like when you're looking at it defensively Nabada goes really well <coughs> cross for Hadati um, but how's Nabada so free the fullbacks just completely lost them I know. I mean, and, and these are the things you have to be switched on for in these I, games. Well, that's exactly it, and that's what Hatati and Abada were. I mean, the pass for Hatati was fucking ex- exceptional. The vision, yeah. you know what I mean. But again, it's not like you've had not had the warning shot given that Abada's done similar on Wednesday, you know, mm-hmm. to the Huns. But I thought he took it really well. He did. It was a really good finish. I thought the uh, second goal as well. Roger Rodgers' first was the. the the best of the game I mean well that's what I was saying you know we went one out up and then the magic man just took over eh, with, a, with a dinky feet he has I think um, as soon as they shaped it up you knew what was happening I think. <coughs> absolutely and also I love the way for the third goal he opened his foot to guide it you know so mm-hmm. the goalie has no chance um, bit of a fortuitous fourth goal obviously Maeda um, who's fast mm-hmm. becoming my son Jake's Favourite man. All he, all he talks about is, I can't wait to see Kyogo play with these players. Can't wait to see <laughs> Kyogo. So, Kyogo, if you're listening, you better fucking play well when you come back. You know, with How these long guys. is he actually still out for? I think um, he's, he's, he's kind of penciled in to be back next week. Um, but I think they're taking their time because they've got a lot more options now. They've no mm-hmm. brushing it like they did. With, well, it's actually him that wanted to play at St. Johnson in the first place, was they fully fit, and that's what caused it. Um, but aye, it was uh, again one of the kind of family uh, things. My son James was at the game, and Jake's watching it, and then I was watching it. But we we're all kind of communicating that it was fantastic. But I see that for fortunate um, fourth goal, but in reality we could have scored about an R six. Exactly what I thought. To be honest, the goal was fortunate, but it could have been a lot a lot worse for Motherwell. Um, again, <coughs> again, they'll be disappointed with their defending. Like at home, you should be. Making it hard, making it so hard to beat, and some of the chances they gave away. I mean, it's, well, it's clearly great football. But Alexander addressed that after the game, didn't he? Because he said, you know, we could sit in and you know nick a fucking draw every so often, or and he and he also never went down the the goat shagger Robbie Nielsen route of, <laughs> oh well, we let them play. He never he said no, we never let them play. They just played, you know, and I think that shows that Graham Alexander's a better man than Robbie Nielsen. Um, but aye, but um, surely fuck they've got to open the rest of that Fur Park stand, no? Aye, what is it still closed because the teams are getting changed aye. in it for COVID? Aye. Like, but that's not the COVID protocols anymore. I know. Like, I know. Like Motherwell on midweek against St Mirren were coming out the same tunnel as St Mirren and everything side by side. It's just so just, aye, you can get that sorted soon. It's a bit of a fucking bugbear in mine, right? And I'm going to th- throw hairs in, but I'll not make them the biggest victims. We've no games on this midweek, right? On the telly, we've talked about what's fucking TV deliver, right? Clubs trumpeted us at the start of the season. How many fucking games have we had, like, fuck all, right? And Celtic have got a minimal allocation for Pataudry. Well, so we'll go up there and there'll be thousands of empty seats as there was at Fur Park. You know, what the fuck? And then I know Alan, but did you see Alan Burrow's comments about this? The I think he's the Fur Park, what was he, the groundsman or some fucking. Uh, I, I did see his comments. I. I I understand his comments about opening up to the yeah. stands that their season ticket holders yeah. are in, but that bit could be open. Surely it's just a wee bit planning, you know? Mm. So what if Ernie fucking Jacobs, whatever his fucking name is, has been sitting there for 65 fucking years? If you, 
you know, you've got to do that, then just have a bit where you can open it to, because you're just losing money. I know. You know but then I, I think his point was interesting, though, that, like, the reason that their season tickets are gone up and up is because they're putting their fans first. Mm-hmm. So I think it's years they sort of try to build a trust with them, I guess. But but the bit behind the goals that, had that, for the, that were closed off yeah. could easily be opened. I know, I know. It's pathetic, like... And it'll be the same in the one the new game, you know, I'm sure it's on pay-per-view or whatever, I'll not be paying that. Um, I paid loads of pay-per-view and I know I just think it's written a piss for the places. Um, and I can't get a ticket, you know, I'm working anyway, but and so on and so on and so on. And there's too many people that are missing out. And I just think it's bizarre. You'll see them on Pataudry, full set weekend, Aberdeen end will be half empty. And what's the point of that? What is the fucking yeah, point of that? Like, you know? The, the Aber- Aberdeen have done it. Like, <coughs> Aberdeen cut our allocation as well. We, we asked for a couple of thousand. They gave us 800. Mm. And that was so they could keep the, the thing under 10,000 so they didn't have to Aye. implement vaccine passport. See, that, that was even worse. Like, you're just actively looking at thousands of people. But I, I mean, the vaccine passport thing at Celtic Park has been basically a ring around the stadium. And, uh, you know, you've got your new NHS Scotland COVID status app and they're just going boom the QR code and you're in that was it mm. no hassle whatsoever I thought it worked really well but on to uh, the final game uh, of the weekend Sevco 5 Hearts now. didn't see any of this game Paul I'll hand it over to you <laughs> to um, just terrible to be honest we started far too slow I mean I think it was quite obvious they were going to come out the box after doing the goal midweek they were going to be up for it uh, try and catch us off guard and we were just it's like we did, again, it's, it was like them in midweek, it's like we didn't expect that kind of reaction, which to me is just absolutely baffling. Oh. Um, and we got a couple of early warnings in the first couple of minutes, which we never heeded, and then they scored in the 11th minute. I, I think we had like one chance in the first half, and if you could call it that. I mean, the, cave, half, the caveat, obviously, you have to, I mean, I'm surprised you haven't, but the caveat, there's no Smith, there's no Suter, there's no Halkett, right? Which a yeah. lot of people missed in the Celtic kind of sphere. But I understand that that's that's I, a hamstring right away. Yeah, no, I, I was I was going to mention them more in terms of the second half. Though, like second half, we actually came out uh, pretty well. Like we had a couple of chances, like, first ten minutes or something. We had a couple of chances ourselves. Devlin really should have scored. Like he got in front of McGregor and lifted it over him, but he's put the wrong side of the, the posts. I think it would have been really interesting if we'd scored at that point because they started to look really nervy. Like one, it was only one 0 and we we were getting in behind them. Well, what and then the goal comes just, Well I'll just off. jump in there and say that I, The last thing I'd heard for you was that um, You know you, exactly what you just said Come out started well chances I was walking around uh, Camden at this point Trying to settle all my friend Mark Henderson's paternity suits um, And next thing I looked at it was 5-0 I, 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 I think they scored the, the 64th minute I think it was, was They got mm. the second And by 75 minutes we were 4 down We just completely Felty bits, and that's what I was going to mention about having guys like uh, Suter and Smith and Halkett because they're just a bit experienced. So even mm. if you do lose the second goal, they didn't let guys lose their head and, and go charging into things that they shouldn't. And with quite a young back three, uh, Sibic and Moore got dragged out of position too, far too easily. Sibic's not saying that half, is he? Sibic's not saying that half, is he? I think he is. He, he played there for Barnsley, but I think he's only, he's still only 21. Midfield you've got him for me, like. He's still only 21 year old though, so like I think you've got to have people in there that will maybe guide them through the game. And when you're looking to him to be your leader when you when the heads are gone, I think that's part of the problem. Can you just clarify was, what the situation with Suter is? He's well, they said he's injured because he, he missed mm. the the last two games. Yeah, and I, I'm guessing he must be because he'd be he'd be available if we're struggling so, that much. I've heard we an absolutely rip roaring cunt of this. No, no, he, he did go off injured against the uh, Motherwell the other mm. week. So I'm assuming he has got a knock because I don't think... No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, by him being injured, would they have been better just letting him go? Possibly, but I think he's he's scheduled to be back for the game in the morning. So Mm. if he's here for the rest of the season, it helps steady the ship or whatever. I think as well, though, that Hearts fans, it was a terrible result. There's no way getting away from it. And it probably could have been more, which is the worst part. But we've got to uh, try and keep a, a bit of a sense of perspective in terms of we've done pretty well this season. I just think we, we caught them on a day where they were up for it and we were fucking hopeless, to be honest. So what do you mean by, what are, what are Hearts fans saying, like, or the ones you were oh, It's just, as soon as every, Nielsen has a bad result, it's like, Nielsen's got to go, he's not the man, blah, blah, blah. And Nielsen's not the one that's fucking letting crosses in too easily or losing his man in the box. Mm. And it's not like we're doing that every week. 
Yeah. So I think sometimes it is just a bad day at the office, and I think that's what it was. But it's it's really gutting because I thought we could get something or something. Okay, well, on to a mere cheery subject, Rafe Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking of making rip roaring cuntsy things, uh, could I mean you might be a bit young to remember Gerald Ratner, the dual guy who said all his stuff was shit. But but we're only we're on that kind of level when it in terms of how the optics of what Rafe Rovers have been doing in the last couple of weeks, no? Ah, it's right for the start. I don't I don't understand it. Even as a football move, Goodwill's Goodwill's pushing thirty three. Mm. He he's not going to guarantee them promotion or anything like that. It's not like you're signing a superstar and chucking your yeah, your morals in, in the basket. Um, I think as well. They got a warning of this because they were linked to him in December saying that they've, they've been uh, feeling him out about a signing. And the fans went nuts at that. Says, didn't sign him because this will happen. So yeah. they, they knew that the fans were against it. And they've just been arrogant. Whoever's been in charge of making the signing, I think, has just been arrogant enough to think that this will blow over after like a week or two and it wouldn't be that big a deal. Yeah. And I think in terms of PR, it's been an absolute disaster for Wraith. Yeah, through the whole thing. I mean, can I? Well, we like to cover all the bases, and you know, we're not going to shy away from it. A lot of people disagree with us, right? In terms of the reaction, and they're saying, "Why was there no this reaction when he played for Clyde? Is it because Val McDermott's cosy gozy with the first minister, and so on?" Or, well, I think that if you think back, there was a reaction when he signed for Clyde. Like, mm. I'm pretty sure they were sponsors. Some fans never went back. Um, there was MSPs talking about it. But it was probably also, was it five years ago, six years ago he signed for them? I think yeah. it was probably things like this were less in the spotlight. Um, and, I, and I do think there was a reaction. It might not have been quite, quite as bad. I don't know if that's just like a, a, in relation to where Clyde were viewed right. standing. I think, but, it, I mean, look, I think a lot of this is caused by the fact that David Gubilia showed absolutely near remorse for what he did. I mean, that's the first thing. Secondly, I mean, the guy is a weirdo. Right, I mean, anybody that knows anything in football knows that. I mean, he went down to Blackburn Rovers, I think it was, yeah, United, and was hopeless and was asked by the manager, then what's wrong? What do you want? The problem he said, I just want to go home and play football. And he said, What back to Dun United? He said, No, I was in Stirling with my mates. What the f- you know, what the fuck are you talking about? And um, and again, it is a rose And I think people, because rape is such a normalised thing in society that people talk about and that movies depict and all the rest of it sometimes people forget the absolute horrific nature of that not just on the person that happens to but their family their friends and so on and so on and that you're right somebody it's not this is no about somebody never read the room properly as the papers have said this is somebody buried in the fucking sand who genuinely thought that this would be Something. I mean, this was on. I caught it on. Um, I'm in a pub in London on Sunday evening ish. Sky News are doing the roundup, and that was one of the biggest stories they were talking about. I know. You know, they're talking about fucking Rush potential World War Three, and then it's the next thing we'll go to Kirkcaldy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and I think the way that they've dealt with it subsequently as well has, has not helped. Like, I think they then think, oh, we got it wrong, put hands up, he'll no play for us, that'll be it. But then you've still got John McGlynn refusing to address any questions about it, which Aye. is silly. Mm-hmm. Like if you have genuinely gone out on it and say it was a mistake, own it. Aye. You know what I mean? Talk about it. Didn't he just deny it? Also, he's going. To, he's still going to get money off them. You know what I mean? So like, they're still going to have to pay a two-year contract. Well, that's the thing. And see, when you get a story like this that focuses on such a kind of you know relatively smallish club in Scotland and so on, it never really gets the kind of press that it did. If you didn't do an immediate U-turn, nobody is going to hear oh, we have done two weeks later. All they're mm-hmm. going to hear is, oh, that's the team that signed a rapist, eh? Mm-hmm. You know, the thing had happened in numerous clubs with Chad Evans, you know, and Arsholes tweeted about this, that, and Lee Griffiths, you know, tweeted some support to him once and was had the tweet hauled out his fucking Twitter account in about 30 fucking minutes with Celtic. It's horrendous. But, you know, there needs to be mere education, and I hope that's what comes out of this, that you cannot simply... You know, just assume that because it was a long time ago, relatively speaking, right. that it's all right now because it's never going to be all right. I, I think as well that there seems <clears> to be a, a right lack of focus on how bad must this be for the victim having to have this odd dressed yeah. up again. This like, is it, something. It's almost like it's all about goodwill and whether it's fair on him or not. Like this is something we addressed last year when the report on the child abuse in Scottish football came out, 
and, and most clubs in some shape or form, and including the SFA, were um, target and, and, and rightly so because they were guilty. What these people and supporters didn't understand who try to point score with this stuff is that the clubs that are involved with it, Celtic, the Huns, Hertz, Hibs, whatever, they're in the news all the time. And for the victims, they can't get away. They can't get a release for it, you know what I mean? So that's why point scoring is just pathetic. But on this one, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Rafe Rovers now because <clears throat> I believe Val McDermott's sponsorship was four grand a year, which, you know, isn't a lot, but for a club like Rafe Rovers is massive, you know? It's a, it's a negative press that comes with it as well if you make sponsors pulling it. It's, exactly. It's, and there was chat about like the women's team trying to play under a different name and all that as well. Aye. Aye. It's horrific for them. Awful situation. Uh, and speaking of awful situations, and we'll lighten the tone here uh, for our subject outside of football to finish the show racism in the police. <laughs> <laughs> now, this comes on the back, and misogyny for that matter. This comes on the back of a series of WhatsApp messages that were released, Paul, um, by in between police officers, where, you know, it was um, chatting about who, um, women they would rape and victims and racism and, and all sorts of horrendous stuff. Now, the McPherson report after Stephen Lawrence was murdered, I mean, that was, that's almost 30 years ago. Mm. And we're we didn't seem to be anywhere near forward. Um, <clears throat> is it just a breeding ground? Is this just an environment that racism and misogyny is just accepted? Um, you'd like to think not, clearly, but the evidence would suggest that it's... It's, it's accepted it's exactly the right word and mm. it might have a lot of good people in, in the police I'm sure but there will be a lot of good people in the police for the right reasons and, and wanting to help people but there's obviously some people that think they can get away with it in, in these positions and it's as you say the text it wasn't it, it was, there was sexism misogyny uh, homophobic racist yeah. it was like the whole yeah. gamut of things that are disgusting and despicable yeah. and it's all treated as a joke and it, it was a documentary a few years back as well when the guy infiltrated the the journalists infiltrated the, the Greater Manchester Aye. Police and it was all full of racism. And these things seem to come up every so often. And you think, oh, there'll be reform or there'll be changes. Yet we just come right, circle right back around to it. Well, I mean, Cressida Dick, who, you know, famously, like, doesn't want to investigate Boris and all that push. I mean, it seems to have got worse under her reign. Um, and that's, that's horrible for women, actually, because you're hoping that well, women in charge, you know, that things could change. But, I mean, I'll take you back to, like, when, I mean, when these things, we've moved a lot in culture in terms of what's acceptable, right? And the likes of the Bernard Manning types that used to be on the telly and tell all these jokes and that kind of thing. What What is interesting, though, is that people uh, in my generation and older, I mean, Bernard Manning used to have a club in Manchester called the Embassy Club. Famous mm. club. What were what they? And it was <coughs> mecca for misogyny and homophobia and racism and all that and it was a members club and he said the biggest amount of members of his club were police officers mm. you know so it's kind of like you know that's before we get into the huge subject of racism in the streets by police in terms of stopping search and so on and i mean in london now it is um so prevalent that that black people I think, are just completely don't don't trust the police. <coughs> um, <coughs> excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat. <coughs> they, but, but I, they didn't trust police. Women didn't trust police. I mean, it's whole groups of society in there that are getting completely mm. isolated for this. So you think it's not even that long since the Sarah Everard case, where obviously yeah. being cousins murdered her, and yeah. that that should have sparked mm-hmm. a. a a massive reform, but no, yeah. Dick's still in charge, and it's the same issues still popping up, and because obviously it was revealed after uh, he was arrested and whatnot, like he, there was WhatsApp messages about him making fun of the fact that he's a potential rapist and stuff. So it's not just jokes. I mean, like, this could be white, this could be red flags for people, and they're just yeah. all getting spotted yeah. as well. I mean, we're in a culture now, and we'll bring this in to finish up. There's been two comedians cited in the last week, both regarding the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg, who said that you can say a lot about the Nazis, but one thing you can't say is they were racist. <laughs> Which, you know, when I got back on my seat, <laughs> I thought... Because well, her rationale for that is white-on-white murder, uh, right? i seen that. <laughs> now, the context of that is that, obviously, I mean, I completely disagree with that, but 
he said a lot of stupid shit in her life, isn't he? Can't wait for it, right? Um, but it's like, what are we? She's been given a temporary leave of absence. I'm not really sure what that does. Then we have Jimmy Carr, who said the Holocaust wasn't that bad. That Hitler killed all the gypsies, right? Which is just fucking mind-boggling that he could. And this is a guy who has continually said, "The joke that will end up my career has already been said by me." In other words, the you know the cultural change, and I'll be fucked. I mean, what what is he thinking? Of? Like the you know. <laughs> No, he did say that it was that's a bit context after that that he says he explained why he made that joke, mm. and he's not saying it because he thinks it's funny. He's saying it to highlight awareness or, or something like that. But I don't think really that's a cop out. There's got to be a, a line. It. Like I, I, I'm of the belief that there's things you can joke about. Like you can probably joke about anything, but it has yeah. to be funny yeah. and not just cutting. Like there's probably jokes about all kinds of things and, and how they're constructed mm. that, that are acceptable. Ricky Gervais talks about that a lot. But if you're just saying something to shock, that's no. Yeah, I agree with that, and I, I think I think you can joke about anything. I mean, you can joke about anything, but at the same time, there has to be levels of decency and taste, you know. Um, I actually watched the Bob Einstein documentary. I don't know if you've seen it yet, and Bob Einstein was apparently notorious for that, you know, for telling really risky jokes, not 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 racist or anything like that, but just like, oh my god, you know, and. Um, <laughs> he also said that he said I've got the best joke that's the funniest joke ever right and people what, what is it and he said a guy and a duck walk, walk into a bar and the barman's like what the fuck's that's a duck we didn't see our ducks in here and the guy says no no he says alright he talks and everything just like a human being and that said, what he said no no he'll talk about anything and, um, I said watch I'll, I'll ask him a couple of questions and he's like, right, okay, so the barman says, I'll tell you what we'll do. If he can talk, you can stay in the first rings on the house. But if he can't talk, I'm going to throw the buffy through that fucking window. Right? Okay. So he's like, right, fine. Sees so the duck, okay. What's the thing above the ceiling here? And the duck goes, roof. Okay. Who's the best baseball player ever? Duck goes, Ruth. At this point, the barman goes, Fuck you, I came what you're trying to do. Picks the two of them up and throws them through the window. They go through the window, land on the pavement, glass everywhere. The duck turns around to the guy and says, You think I should have said DiMaggio? That was his kind of stuff, but you're right, it's like. Um, you get, I mean, you know, Jimmy Carr, I don't believe is racist or anything like that, and Whoopi Goldberg, but you've got to understand as well, like, something like Whoopi Goldberg, see this, the, the situation she grew up in, it doesn't excuse me, she grew up with a different set of parameters because they were enforced by the white person, mm-hmm. you know? It was like um, Michael Vick, remember the the, the, yeah, the, the, the dogs and treat, mistreatment of the dogs and that? That was a culture he was brought up in, and the reason he was brought up in that culture is because that's what, how the white man wanted it, you know? So it's, it looks horrendous to us. Is in the same way Koreans eat, Koreans eating dogs it looks horrendous to us, but it's you know, just talk a wee bit a bit more about it instead of just cancel, cancel, cancel. Um, but you know it's open for debate, and I'd love to hear you in debate. Uh, but that's it. That's it. That's the end of the show. I mean, Paul's disgraceful. I've been trying to get a meeting with Paul for about two, three weeks now, and he keeps batting me away with all these pish. The latest one being that he had forms to fill in for his mother, which was akin to climbing Everest in his thing, you know. And that, you know, him and fucking Ernest Shackleton were out fucking Antarctic and all the rest of it, you know, when they had to screenshot a bank statement, things like that. So I'll leave that with his conscience right now because he does owe me a few things. Um, but, you know, I know it's all been about doom and gloom in terms of the world, but remember, it can also be sunset, sunset even. Put my teeth back in, I had my frog in my throat all day. Uh, hope I'm not getting the big V. But until then, just relax, chill, and we'll see you on Sunday. Dirty old